This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy, women and addiction in general. My name is Amy. I'm your host here at the Worth Recovery podcast. I'm a sex addict and a food addict. I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And I'm excited to be back with you. This is kind of episode 100. Like it's episode 100 of the numbered episodes, 100 episodes. That's crazy. But there's a few like bonus episodes in there that I did in my car that aren't really numbered. So, and the first one I did as zero. So this is not really like the official 100th episode, but I'm going to call it that because it's like numbered episode 100. And I am just incredibly grateful. I I know that the last few months I haven't been recording as often and uh, and that's okay for my life. Um, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other ones that I've done in, earlier. Um, There's so many that are so dense and have so much information in them. So I am trying to pick back up my recording and do a little bit more often and uh, hopefully things will, will pick back up here really quickly. However, I'm excited to be at episode 100 And I'm super excited because I'm going to do part two today of spiritual healing. I think this is going to be about four or five episodes. I'm not really sure. But we started a few weeks ago talking about spiritual healing. And I had been invited to speak at a retreat that I wasn't able to go to. And so I I had prepared some remarks and some thoughts about spiritual healing. And um, I wanted to be able to share those with you and with um, everyone else on the podcast show and just kind of share my thoughts on spiritual healing. Now, before I jump into that, though, really quickly, our uh, Seattle event is coming up in just a couple weeks, just like two weeks. Actually, um, I think two weeks from the day that this will that this episode will be will be released will be our event in Seattle. So I hope that you're going going to join us. I hope that you're coming. We've got an incredible lineup. Uh, Aaron Glade, Dr. Aaron Glade, Stacy Sprout, who is the author of Naked in Public, her memoir about her sex addiction. Um, and then we also have joining us Heidi Kinsella, uh, who is another just really great CSAT. All three, set, all three are CSAT therapists. All will be speaking to us, one on trauma repetition. Dr. Aaron Glade will speak on trauma repetition. Stacy Sprout will be speaking on healing our sexuality. I'm really excited to hear this one. Uh, just about moving uh, our sexuality from the profane to the sacred. And I'm excited to hear about that. And then uh, Heidi Kinsella will be speaking about betrayal and recovering from tr- betrayal. Healing, uh, healing betrayal, uh, showing up differently to earn back trust is kind of her title. And I'm so excited for the three speakers and for their amazing work. I hope you're joining us. It's $99 a ticket as of today. If you are listening to this podcast, though, and you use the coupon code PODCAST10, you'll get $10 off your price. So you can still get early bird pricing if you use the coupon code PODCAST10. 
podcast, all lowercase, then one zero ten. So if you use that discount code, that coupon code, you can get $10 off your admission and still take advantage of early bird pricing. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to see all of you in Seattle and spend some time with you and to talk. And I'm excited. I keep saying I'm, I'm excited, but I really am. <laughs> I'm excited about the theme of our recovery of this event, which is intentional recovery. And I'm going to be speaking about intentional recovery and about how healing happens on purpose. That it's not accidental that we heal. Um, not just showing up to meetings is going to make us heal. But there are things that we have to do that healing happens on purpose. And I'm, I'm excited to share with you my thoughts on that. And I know each of the speakers will be sharing their thoughts on that as well. So I hope you're joining us. I hope you're coming. Uh, also, before I jump into my uh, content today and our subject about spiritual healing, just a big shout out to our Worth Warriors. You guys are awesome. Thanks for donating. Thanks for keeping this podcast free for all people, women and men. We have so many men that listen too. I've gotten so many emails recently from men that listen. Uh, so thanks so much for your donations, for helping that, for making that work and for making it go forward. Now, let's jump into this idea and this concept today of spiritual healing. So before, when we when I introduced this topic originally, I shared with you uh, a line out of the S.A. White Book. And this comes from the passage called The Solution. Let me grab my book real quick because I don't want to misquote it. So this comes from The Solution, which is on page 204 of the White Book. And it says at the beginning, the very first line says, We saw that our problem was threefold, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And healing had to come about in all three. And I just love that concept that we have to remember that healing, healing our addiction is not just about our behavior sexually. It's not just about our emotional behavior. It's not just about our physical behavior or our spiritual behavior. It's all three. All three of those combined have to happen. And I think... We sometimes forget that. I, I know I sometimes forget that. I think it's just about controlling my physical behavior, right? My sexual acting out. And I love that that line reminds us that it's got to be healing in our emotion, emotional area. And it's got to be healing in our spiritual area as well. The spiritual area of our life. When I shared with you um, our first episode on spiritual healing, I talked, the principle that I talked about was questioning everything. That the first step in my spiritual healing came about when I allowed myself the freedom and the liberty to question everything. Everything that I knew or believed about a higher power. Including like what I called my higher power, how I addressed my higher power. I was a really religious person. I still am, but I was a really religious person growing up. And so I had to question even allow myself the freedom to question my religion, um, the religious practices that I had. I had to allow myself to question everything. And I got some feedback. And for a lot of you, that's really scary, um, the idea of questioning everything. I think there's a couple big components to that. Um, you might have people in your life that say that questioning everything is wrong. Um, maybe they they really believe so much in, in this particular version of a higher power and they believe that questioning that, just asking the questions is wrong. 
I, I have family members that would have, if I had shared that with them, that would have probably pushed back on me a lot on that idea of questioning everything. And this is kind of how I, how I came to, how I got through that, um, was I, I figured this is kind of what I kept telling myself. If what I believe is true, if what I believe is really real, then it should stand up to scrutiny, right? It should stand up to questioning. If I believe the thing, if the things that I believe are true and real, they will hold up to questioning. If I really examine them, they will hold up to questioning. And that probably comes from my mathematical background. <laughs> when I was in college, um, I my bachelor's degree is in applied mathematics. And my last year of college, I had to write proofs, um, mathematical proofs. And you're probably like groaning. You're like, oh my gosh, mathematical proofs. Maybe the only experience you have with that is in geometry in high school. And that's okay. That's totally okay. <laughs> but that's like the very, not even like scratching the surface or tip of the iceberg when it comes to mathematical proofs. But um, when I was in college, my my senior year in college, my advanced calculus class, my last semester of advanced calculus, we had to write proofs for the very basic fundamentals of mathematics. So addition, we had to write a mathematical proof on why addition worked. And we had to write a mathematical proof on why subtraction worked and why multiplication worked and the prince, the um, property, the identity properties and all these different properties of mathematics, like the real basic core mathematical principles. We had to learn to write these mathematical proofs on why they worked. And one of the ways that you write mathematical proofs is that you make an assumption that it's wrong. So you make an assumption, you say, well, maybe one plus one does not equal two, right? So I'm just gonna assume that that principle doesn't work. And then you go through the logic of why, if that's true, if, if, if it doesn't work, if it's not true, then you go through the logic and say, well, if that's not true, then one does not equal one. It's a, kind of this big, long thing. But basically you come to the cl conclusion that that nothing works, that it's not, that it, it doesn't happen, it can't work. And so because you come to the conclusion that that principle or that assumption that you made is not true, then you can go back to the beginning and say, because this is not true, then I know that the principle of addition has to work. Maybe that doesn't make sense to you. Maybe I'm not adequately describing that. But one of the, one of the principles of, of mathematical proofs is making the assumption that it's not true. You make the assumption that it's not true, and then you follow that logic and see if it works at the end, right? And if it doesn't work at the end, then you know that the assumption you made is false. And so that says that because this is false, then the converse or the opposite has to be true. And, and that's kind of how I approach this idea of questioning everything, right? I just approached it from the standpoint of, well, if it's wrong, then then I'll get to the end of the logic. I'll follow that logic through and I'll get to the end and I'll realize, oh, well, this isn't wrong. This isn't working. This isn't, this doesn't work. And so I can make adjustments accordingly. Uh, yeah, I hope that that helped you. <laughs> um, I just, I really came to the idea that if I was going to question everything, then I had to give myself that permission to question everything. And I believed that what I believed would hold up to questioning and scrutiny. And if it didn't, then that was okay. Then it wasn't true. And so I needed to do that. And I had to question everything. 
everything I knew or was taught about my higher power. And like I said, sometimes even like what I called my higher power, I questioned that. Is that really what I wanted to do? And what that allowed me to do is make adjustments. It allowed me to correct misunderstandings I had. It allowed me to correct cultural or familial misunderstandings about God, things that I had been taught. And it allowed me to really redefine my higher power. Some of you asked me like, well, what were some of the biggest changes that that you came to or conclusions that you came to in that process? And I would say, I mean, I shared with some of the, some of those on my previous uh, episode on this topic, but one of the probably biggest conclusions I came to and one of the um, things that has changed my relationship with my higher power the most is, and I call my higher power God, is the principle that God honors my choices. And so God, I really believe that my higher power, my God honors my choices. And honors not as in like worships my choices, but honors in the the definition that says that to accept as valid or to show regard for, or to accept and acknowledge personal responsibility for one's action. So my higher power honors my choices. And what that means to me is that um, my higher power is not going to force me to do something. My higher power is not going to force my hand, um, is not going to... A lot of times I used to blame my higher power, like you're making me do this or you're putting me in circumstances where this is the inevitable result. Um, And and that I didn't agree with the result or didn't want that result in my life. And in learning my building my relationship with my higher power, I came to the conclusion that my higher power honors my choices. And that goes both ways. Like if we talk about the principle of surrender, if I go to my higher power and surrender my desire to act out and I say, I don't want to act out. I don't want to do this. Please help me. My higher power will help me because he honors my choices honors what it is that I want to do and I don't want to act out. On the flip side, if I decide to walk up to the line of acting out, if I decide to try some risky behavior, right, my higher power will honor that choice and, um, and will accept that that's my choice and that I have personal responsibility for that. And in that process will also help me the moment I turn around and say, wow, I didn't, I'm sorry, like I need help figuring this out Um, because my higher power honors my choices. He accepts my choices as valid and, and that he has to honor that choice. And that's one of the things that has really helped me in my relationship with my higher power because I no longer feel like I'm struggling against this idea of like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. I think there are some things that help me and things that don't help me and my higher power honors those choices and whatever choices I choose to make my higher power honors um and that means that I have to accept responsibility for the consequences of those choices and so when I make the choice to walk up to the line of of slipping or the line of relapse and I get in a situation where my body responds or something happens and and it's you know, again, my choice, I've done that. My higher power honors the consequences of that. Um, If in that moment I say, oh, just kidding, I need to stop. I want to stop. I'm done. This is not what I want. My higher power will honor that choice. And either way, my higher power helps me 
to move forward in the right direction, no matter what that is. But my higher power is not going to force me to do anything. Anyway, I hope that that, that that helps you. That was one of the biggest changes for me in my spiritual healing was just that my higher power will honor my choices. Now, that today, though, I want to talk about, with like the 10 minutes we have left, um, I want to talk about the second principle of spiritual healing that really changed my spiritual life. So the first principle being question everything. Allow yourself to question everything. And the second principle was prioritizing a spiritual life. Uh, For me, prioritizing a spiritual life was huge. Now, we learn in the big book, right? So we're told in the big book of AA, this is uh, at the beginning of chapter four. In my version, it's on page 44. Uh, The first paragraph just, you know, says, in the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism or sexaholism or whatever holism you want to put in there. We hope you have made clear that we hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If when you are honestly want to, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that is the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So that's the last line I want to talk about. We're told that we might be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And to me, and if you read through just the 12 steps, right, the majority of the steps use the word higher power or God in the steps. And I think it's really interesting that first step, right, um, came to believe, no, that's, that's step two. <laughs> uh, in the first step that we admitted we were powerless over lust or over sex or over our sexual behaviors or over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable, right? So we made a decision. That was kind of our choice. And then in the second and third steps, our higher power honors that choice. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, step two. And then step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, right? So in step one, we make that choice that we are powerless and that our life is unmanageable. We come to that realization. Steps two and step three, our higher power honors that choice and and helps us out. And then if you, I mean, you can follow that pattern throughout the entire steps, all 12 steps kind of follow that pattern of we do something, we make a choice, and then our higher power helps us to follow through on that choice and to have a spiritual life and a spiritual experience. And then we end in step 12 saying, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, right? And I just love this idea that we have to have a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience, a spiritual life, that healing has to come about spiritually for us. And the only way I have found to maintain sobriety is to maintain my spiritual life and to prioritize that spiritual life above everything else. Some people tell me like even above my even above my sobriety, like my spiritual life has to become above my sobriety. And I say, well, if you believe that your higher power wants you to stay sober, then yeah, your spiritual life becomes almost above your sobriety, if not at the same level, because your higher power will help you with that. I can't stay sober without the help of my higher power. And if I start acting out, I lose that relationship with my higher power. I feel like those two things are kind of symbiotic and really work together. But I have to prioritize my spiritual life 
in order to maintain my sobriety. Um, I love this part in the green book. This is the SAA green book. It's kind of towards the middle. It's on page 99 and there's a, a just a little like one and a half page. It's kind of long, but bear with me here because I think it's really important. Um, it says the steps, this little section is called the steps are the spiritual solution. It says some of us started out as a tourist in SAA meetings. The member who shows up every week or every other week, who shares at meetings, who may even buy and read the literature, but who doesn't get a sponsor, doesn't work the steps, certainly never stays for a business meeting, and who won't stop acting out on his or her inner circle behaviors for more than a few weeks at a time before the next relapse. This resistance to surrendering to the SAA program is rooted in pride and stubborn unwillingness to admit defeat, despite the pain and consequences already experienced. As an SAA tourist, we cling to the belief that we are not really powerless and that just going to meetings, maybe combined with going to church or seeing a therapist or just getting a slip signed or just reading a book, will be enough to turn things around without too much inconvenience. Many tourists drop in and out for months or even years before one final crisis brings us to our bottom and makes us willing at least to get serious. This experience... This experience brings into focus the difficult truth that no addict is compelled to work the suggested steps in this program. A member can't be kicked out because he relapsed or because she hasn't moved past step one. Tradition three assures us that anyone with a desire to stop addictive sexual behavior, however slight the desire, is welcome in SAA. In our experience though, meetings are important. They are not sufficient for recovery from sex addiction. We need the spiritual solution offered by the 12 steps. To be sure, meetings are where most of us first encounter the steps, learn about the program, find our sponsors, and share with others our desire for recovery. But if we want to actually experience recovery in our lives, there are no shortcuts. We have to work the steps to experience the fruits of working the steps. The steps are the spiritual solution to our addiction, leading not only to a life of abstinence from our addictive sexual behavior, but to a fulfilling life of service to our brothers and sisters in recovery and beyond. The spiritual awakening described in step 12 puts us on the path of service and connects us with our higher power. Connects us with our higher power. This awakening is the foundation of a responsible and joyful experience as we seek and find our higher power's will for us, both in, an individual, in our individual lives and in the life of our fellowship. And for the priceless gift of recovery, so astonishingly simple, so freely available, we are humbly grateful. We invite all suffering sex addicts inside and outside the rooms of SAA to join us with accepting this gift. I love this idea that sometimes we're just a tourist in meetings, that we come, we don't come, we come occasionally, or we believe that just attending meetings but working with a therapist, I don't actually have to work the steps, or that, you know, I maybe work the steps occasionally, kind of in the tourist attitude, once a little bit, that type of thing, but that in order to really experience recovery, the book tells us, we have to have that spiritual awakening. And that requires us to prioritize our spiritual life. So I wanted to share with you just one way that I prioritize my spiritual life. So first of all, we have to realize that a spiritual life is all about connecting with our higher power. We have to be able to connect with our higher power. 
And we have to be gentle with ourselves because relationships take time. Just because like I learned when I entered recovery that the relationships I had with people around me, people I could see, people I interacted with, that those were damaged, (laughs) that they were not as healthy as I thought they were, that I was not as present or as emotionally available as I thought that I was, right? And I had to realize that those, all of those behaviors also um, happened with my relationship with my higher power, that I wasn't as present as I thought I was in my relationship with my higher power, or that my higher power was a crisis friend. I would only go to my higher power when I was in crisis. (laughs) And so, you know, as a crisis friend, he honors my, honors my, um, choices. And so when I come to him, he will help me. However, you know, that's not really a relationship, right? That's not really kind of the two-way relationship or the connection that I was looking for. And I really wanted something deeper. I wanted that real connection with the higher power. I had to examine what I was doing and decide whether or not that was connecting me to my higher power. Does that make sense? Like there were a lot of things that I had kind of picked up in childhood that I did over and over and over again. And I thought that they were like my spiritual practice, quote unquote, spiritual practice. And and I thought that they were what was expected of me and that that was how I connected to my higher power. However, in this whole process of questioning everything and looking at spiritual healing, I realized that some of these things that I was doing were not really helping me. They were not really connecting me to my higher power. And so I had to examine them. I had to give myself the freedom and the liberty to say, well, maybe this needs to be adjusted. Maybe this needs to change. Maybe I need to stop doing this. Maybe I need to do it differently. Whatever it was, I had to give myself that option. So I'm just gonna talk about one of the things that that I had to change in my in prioritizing my spiritual life. So I I told you earlier, and you know, I've always been a very religious person. So I've always gone to church. That was a big, important thing for me growing up. It is right now in my life that I attend church services. And it's a way that right now that I connect with my higher power. When I started recovery, though, I hated church. <laughs> I hated everything about church. I hated going to church. I didn't feel connected to, you know, my higher power at church. I had, like, that was kind of the conclusion I came to was church is not connecting me to my higher power. So why am I continuing to go if it's not connecting me to my higher power? So I stopped and I questioned, right? I talked to my higher power and I said, okay, you know, I feel like you want me to go to church. I feel like that's kind of your will for me is to go to church and to connect with other people on a spiritual level. However, going to church is painful and I hate it. And so I I need, how do I reconcile that? Right? How do I figure that out? And so, and I also real quick disclaimer, right? I'm talking about my relationship with my higher power. I'm not saying you have to go to church. I'm not saying that church is the only place you connect with your higher power. That's not what I'm saying at all. Okay. I'm just talking about my experience. So please make sure that you relate this to your experience, right? Are there things that you feel like your higher power wants you to do, but that you don't get anything out of? Whether that's praying, whether that, you know, whatever that is for you. How do you do that? For me, it was church. It was one of the, one of the big ones was church. There were several, but one of the big ones was attending church. I felt it was God's will for me to be at church. However, like I said, at the time, church was not a place where I feel connected to my higher power. 
And in fact, most of the time I left feeling angry, frustrated. Um, I, I just didn't really like going. And so I really thought about it and re- and kind of came to the conclusion, okay, well, if I feel like that's my higher power's will for me, but I'm having this really negative experience, then I need to be willing, right? That's a big piece of the program, being willing. I need to be willing to examine what goes on at church for me and maybe try some new things. So let me tell you some of the things I tried. Um, one of the first things I did was I bought like a Sunday journal. And I would go to church and I would sit in the back and I wouldn't pay attention to anything and I would just journal. Journal, 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 right, 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 over and over and over again. And I didn't really pay attention to anything that was going on. I just sat in the back. Um, I didn't really participate and I just journaled. And that really helped me. <laughs> that act, I don't do that anymore, but that act really, really helped me. I do still have a Sunday journal. And I do still pull it out sometimes, but it's not a a consistent practice for me at church. But I would go and I just was like, I'm not going to pay attention to anything, anyone, whatever. I'm just, it's like, it's like we just come to meetings at first and we don't really participate, right? That was the same thing for me. I'm just going to go to meetings, church meetings, church services, and I'm just going to sit in the back and I'm just going to journal. And that really helped me. I journaled a lot. I remember about how angry I was about church. Uh, just processing, writing, and that happened, that probably continued for a while, and that really helped me. Um, another thing, I I decided I wanted to move towards, like, connecting more with people when I was at church, right? And there was a couple different things I really had to do in order to make that happen. Um, one was I had to, like, take the mask off. I had to take the risk of being real. And one of the ways I eased into that was I started to, I brought a, um, a package of thank you cards, you know, to church and I would sit in the back in my corner and I would journal for a while. And then I would take a moment to like, look around to, at all the people that were there. I just like hit my microphone while I was moving my hand to look around. So I would look around at all the people and I would say, okay, like who's somebody that I know that I can express gratitude to them for whatever. It didn't have to be anything church related. It could be gratitude for saying hello to me, gratitude for, you know, anything, gratitude for helping, gratitude for setting an example, gratitude, like whatever it was. I just would look around and I would try to write two thank you cards every Sunday at church. And then I would give these cards to these people on my way out. So that really helped me to start connecting with people, to take, start connecting with people and make, taking a risk because I had to be willing to like level my pride. One of the problems I had was comparison. It's still a problem I work through, but I compare myself to everybody and comparison is the enemy of connection. So if I want to go to church and feel connected to my higher power and connected to other people spiritually, I have to stop comparing myself. And one of the ways that I stopped comparing was to start expressing gratitude. And so I would write these thank you cards and I would I would hand them out to people. And then a lot of times people would respond and they would, the next week, sometimes I would get a thank you card or sometimes they would just come up the next week and hug me or say hello. And it started to break down that barrier of comparing myself to everyone and everything that I was seeing and started to kind of level my pride a little bit and take off the mask and take the risk of being real. Some of those people um, that, (laughs) some of those people that I connected with at the beginning of my recovery 
at church through these thank you cards are some of the people that are still incredibly close to me in my life. And I'm so incredibly grateful for them. That was a really big thing for me. Um, another thing that really helped me at church was to look for connection moments to my higher power and not expect every second to be about connecting with my higher power. I kind of had this expectation that the whole time I was sitting there, I should feel connected to my higher power, right? The whole time I was there should be this like big spiritual awakening or this big spiritual experience. And I realized that that just wasn't true, um, that there were moments, that there were different moments throughout the meeting where I could feel connected to my higher power, that it wasn't going to be kind of this sustained thing for a long period of time. But as I kind of looked for those moments and and really kind of leaned into those moments, I found that that was enough. I didn't need this whole meeting to be all about, you know, be feeling connected 100% of the time, but that I could lean into those moments that I had and really feel connected to my higher power. I also had to re-examine um, kind of what what connection meant, that that I went to church because I was seeking a personal connection with my higher power. And that personal connection was independent of anything that was said at church or anything that was done at church, right? So that personal connection was not dependent on what other people were saying, doing, what the topic was, what the sermon was about. Um, that's not what it was dependent on. That my connection to my higher power was personal and it was about me and it was about connecting to my higher power and that I could hate what was being talked about and still feel connected to my higher power. Um, making that distinction was really important in my spiritual healing. And then the last thing that I really had to just kind of challenge myself on was I had to be willing to get up and walk out. I had to be willing to walk away if it just wasn't working. There were many times when I would just get up and walk out and just go home. There were just times, especially at the beginning, where it just was not working. And I didn't want to be frustrated and angry. And I wanted to connect with my higher power. And so I had to be willing to get up and walk away. And and those were, those were hard moments for me, but they were moments that were real. I was being real. Now, this process, just around this one idea of going to church, took, I would say, probably a year of trial and error. A year of trying different things, doing different things, being willing to walk away if it wasn't working, um, being willing to take the risk of being vulnerable, um, understanding that, you know, that my, my personal relationship with my higher power was independent of anything being said or done. That what other people said and, done, and did did not affect my relationship with my higher power. Learning to be independent there and not codependent um, was really a really difficult year of struggle with me. However, I will say this. It has been worth it. Because just in that process, I learned so many different things about my higher power and how to connect with my higher power. I learned that some of the most important moments for me about my connecting with my higher power were going to be personal and they were never going to happen at church. And that was fine. I learned that my higher power will honor my choices when I make the choice to try 
my higher power will be there to help me and inspire me and give me ideas on different things that I could change, different things that I could do, different things that will help me. I also learned that one of the ways that I connect with my higher power is expressing gratitude. That is one of the most important ways that I connect with my higher power. Expressing gratitude for things in my life, but especially to the people in my life. I find that that those thank you cards did more to change me than they probably ever did for anyone else. And being willing to express that gratitude for the things that people do for me ex- allowed me to connect with my higher power in, in a better way. So... In conclusion, I just want to kind of share that we have to prioritize and work at our spiritual life. That it's not something that happens just by chance. Just because we say out loud the third step prayer doesn't mean that we actually enact the third step prayer in our lives. Just because we say, you know, it's by the grace of God that I'm sober today. Okay, I, I appreciate that. However, how are you prioritizing that spiritual life or that spiritual connection in your life? If you're not connecting on a daily basis, like step 11 tells us, like step 10 and 11 about that kind of daily inventory and conscious contact with our higher power. If you're not doing that on a regular basis, I encourage you to start today, to start really making time for that relationship in your life. Because that relationship is what will keep you sober more than any other relationship, more than your therapist, more than your sponsor, more than your recovery coach, more than your team at your recovery meeting. That relationship, that relationship with your higher power is what will help you the most. Don't be a crisis friend with your higher power. (laughs) Don't be a tourist with your higher power where you show up occasionally and kind of peek in on, oh, how's things going, right? And not really allow it to sink into your life or live it on a daily basis. It's that spiritual awakening, that spiritual life, that spiritual connection that will change our lives for the better. It's what will keep us sober and what will give us back this life that we want to live. Give us back this whole life that we want to live about in recovery. And step 12 It says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to all alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles that we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. No one does spiritual life, spiritual recovery perfect, but we have to be claiming spiritual progress. Spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. We have to be claiming spiritual progress in order to move forward in a meaningful life. I hope that you find this helpful today. I hope that you can take a moment today and really, really connect with your higher power. When I say at the end of every podcast that I pray for you, I do. I connect with my spiritual, my higher power every day. And I take a moment to just express my appreciation and my hope that those of you that listen to this will connect with it and that it can help you in your recovery. 
I'm so grateful for a higher power. I'm grateful for the power that the higher power that my higher power gives me to stay sober. That through that grace and through that concern and care, the care of my higher power is in step three, that I can move forward and that I can find answers, direction, guidance, inspiration, help, all of those things in a higher power. And I'm grateful for that. I hope that my challenge for you today is to take time today to connect with your higher power. Make sure that you take time, take moments, and and that you keep at it. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe this isn't really working for you right now. That's fine. Keep at it. It took me a year to figure out the church thing for me. A year. And in that process, I learned so much. We have to keep at those relationships. Relationships take time. We have to be patient with ourselves and allow ourselves to, to try and try and try again. So I hope that that helps you today. As always, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you remember that no matter where you're at in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter what's going on in this very moment, no matter how disconnected you feel from your higher power right now in this moment, I want you to remember, I hope that you remember that you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. If you don't, just rely upon me until you can figure that out for yourself. I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.